Hello, everyone, and welcome to Part Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, as always, we are powered by ELEC825. We are also now streaming on Facebook Live so they can see when you get annoyed with me over screwing up an intro or the things that I say or anything like that. So, And it went smoothly. The echo was still there. I don't okay. know if everybody else heard it, but I did since we were on video. I made sure to not make the face that I normally make when we have the echo. You uh, you have that, much this This was Zen Jeff. So. Zen Jeff. Okay. Yes. So uh-huh. if you want to um, obviously listen in the car to us on 16 ESPN, mm-hmm. if you want to look afterwards, The Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen on our Facebook page or at The Heart of Sports on Twitter. Jeff, another huge week. Sports are literally back. Uh, big win for the union last Well, week. they're literally back, but then they're literally gone too. So don't don't get so, uh, you know, Mr. Positive on me because it's not everything because my fantasy baseball team will show you that it's not really back. Don't step on my show rundown. I was okay, go ahead. Coming on. Go be Mr. Uh, positive. We've got Warren Craval coming on at 440 to talk about the union's big win last night and more. We've got Ala Abdel Nabi joining us in a few minutes. Sixers TV analyst talk about the return of baseball. Jeff is great. Basketball. Allah's not going to talk about baseball. I mean, look, if he wants to, he's welcome to talk about it. But I I kind of thought we'd talk to him about basketball. Well, I see my thought went to baseball because Jeff is grumpy. He finally gets a good fantasy baseball team. And I mean, finally, it's the first year I did it because you convinced me that I should do this. And a week in, none of his players are playing tonight because MLB has some serious COVID problems. Jeff started here in Philadelphia with the Marlins. Well, technically it started in Atlanta when the Marlins decided to go out. This is true. Yeah. Uh, and now they have 17 players and two coaches with tested positive. They're apparently going to go You mean back more a- than half the team? Yeah, they're apparently mm-hmm. going to go back on a bus to Miami and then the other people who are left will go to another stadium baseball still figuring out scheduling. The Phillies as a result Are they going to have their official babysitter on the bus? <sighs> Man, they need a babysitter now. Well, I thought that's what the MLB was doing is they're now putting a babysitter on that they're going to have somebody that can monitor this stuff because apparently these guys don't care enough. Not all of them, but obviously some of them don't care enough about their fellow teammates. Uh, Yeah, it's pretty crazy. The Phillies have had two positive tests so far. One coach and one clubhouse person Mm -hmm. Uh, test came back negative today on all the players. Uh, so the Phillies have been canceled all week. Uh, they are canceled through the weekend. Uh, so as of right now, it's, you know, let's talk the baseball side real fast. Hey, hey, like, hold on. Hey, hold on to play where, where are they going? So where are the Phillies playing next? Well, it sounds like they may end up playing four against the Yankees to try and make those games. Where, where on the schedule does it say they're going next? Uh, Miami. Yeah. Now, yeah. if if you're any part of Phillies management, do you go down to Miami now? Absolutely not. Yeah. And the Nationals said this weekend they didn't want to go to Miami before those games. And good for them. I, if, if I were anybody in the league, if I were the, the player rep for any team, I would hold a team meeting and say, do we want to go down there considering how irresponsible they were? Well, look, right now you've got the Nationals, Marlins, Blue Jays, Phillies, Brewers, and Cardinals games all postponed tonight. The Cardinals, Brewers, because there were two positive COVID tests on the Cardinals. The question to me would be, do you postpone Twins Cleveland tonight because the Twins played the Cardinals the other day? Again, so far they're not. They're not so far. And so I'm not quite sure exactly how this plan works. Right now, though, 
for the Phillies, Mm -hmm. for them to play 60 games in 2020, assuming they get back to baseball on Monday, they will have to play 57 games in 56 days. That's not happening. That's what they will have to do to play all of that. Now, at the same time, well, then Spencer Howard's coming up. That means double headers. And if it means double headers, Jeff, seven seven innings innings baseball. That's minor league double headers. Are you uh, up in arms about the seven inning change? No, No, I'm I'm perfectly fine with seven inning games, especially when there's double headers. Um, You have, especially when there are hardly any days off, you have to take care of the players. And if you're going to have a condensed schedule like this, they have to find a way to preserve and keep these guys healthy, not just from the COVID stuff, but they have to keep them healthy. They have to keep their arms healthy. They have to keep their bodies healthy. Otherwise you're, you're, you're doing something that's not good for the product and it's not good for the players. We'll go back to the baseball conversation because I want to get back there because I just think baseball continuing to make changes after they've started is what I question. Uh, Well, let's get a little basketball going on. Sixers sets return to games on the court that count against the Pacers on the second this weekend. Sixers TV analyst Ala Abdel Nabi on the phone to join us. Uh, We hope you're staying healthy. How are you doing, sir? Gentlemen, Jeff, Jeff, Jason, good to be with you guys. I am healthy. Thanks for asking. I hope you are the same. Uh, we are doing okay, uh, just ready for some sports to come back, I guess, in the format that it is. Uh, how are things a little different for you now that things return? Well, I, we're doing our job differently. Uh, we're doing it remotely. Um, and obviously, even when we are away from the 76ers physically, we have to remain our six feet away also from each other. So Mark Serena and I are in the building. We're in relatively the same area, but we are not sitting side by side like Mark and I usually would um, night in and night out. So there are some adjustments. I think the biggest one, obviously, is not being in the building, Um, but you adjust accordingly. And uh, I think you touched on it a little bit earlier. It's just nice to have basketball back. I'll take it in any form I can get it. So um, if they tell me to go sit six to 10 feet away from Mark Zumoff, so be it. One of the things that that we love about your broadcasts and your team is the way that you guys feed off of the arena, especially when there's home games. How do you develop a rhythm when you don't have that feedback from fans? Well, I think it'll be different. Um, I know from my perspective, it's how I started out, actually. Um, When I was first starting to do this many, many years ago, I worked for NBA TV and we would do the EuroLeague game once a week. And obviously we could not be on site. So we would just get the uh, recorded game and then we would sit in a room and uh, watch it off of a monitor. So that's going to be relatively the same thing I'm doing now. Um, so from my standpoint, I'm kind of uh, accustomed to it. Albeit that being said, uh, it's still going to be an adjustment. Um, and I I don't know exactly what to expect yet. I do know this basketball is still going to be basketball. Um, but no doubt about it, it's going to be different as far as the environment's concerned. You just used a magic word in adjustment. Brett Brown is making an adjustment by moving Ben Simmons to the four. What do you think of that move? Well, I think, I think there's some merit to it. Um, we've seen it in glimpses, uh, in the last three exhibition games. Um, and I see where he wants to go with it. I just don't know to what extent yet he's willing to kind of 
make those adjustments, um, as he says. But I do know that uh, Ben being in the post with Shake bringing the ball up the floor is something we saw um, a couple t- couple trips down each night. And there are some advantages to it. Ben being the taller uh, guard out there, if he does, and we saw it in those three games, uh, get matched up with a smaller guy, that automatically you know, commands a double team. And I think then there's advantages out on the floor. We saw him hit a couple of cutters from the post, make a move from the post. Um, and then I think, you know, there are times when we'll also see Ben like we normally do. Rebound comes up, the outlet goes to him, and he brings the ball up the floor. So, again, I think it's a work in progress. How much of that adjustment will we see, I think, still remains to be seen. But I think it's something that he's dipping his foot in the pool and trying to see um, what the temperature of the water is like. We saw a bunch of Shake Milton <clears throat> when he was down with the Blue Coats. Uh, what have you seen? You got to see some games before the stoppage. Uh, you saw him in the the scrimmage. What have you seen out of him, and and how do you think he'll fit into this role now, giving Ben the opportunity to play that that new role with the team? The thing that impresses me about him is when you watch him play, you can't tell that he's new to the league. Um, he doesn't seem like he rushes anything. You can't get him to pick up his speed. He just plays at a certain pace. Um, the other thing too is you don't see him very comfortable in his role he doesn't force anything um, there are times when he'll turn the corner in a pick and roll and he makes the right read because he's not uh, got his head down he's got his head up he's looking um, he just does the, the, the little things really really well and I think it gets him through some of the difficult parts of the game um, just by keeping it simple and then just by making read and react plays out on the floor I think he's really really um, beyond his years um, when you just watch the way his body language is out on the floor and how he conducts himself. You see him being the more traditional point guard that's distributing the ball and keeping spacing on the court, or do you see him being a shooter in this kind of tournament? I think both. Um, I think he's got, the, you know, he brings the advantage of having the ball in his hand and you can come off and initiate your offense with him having the ball because he is a threat from up top. It gives the 76ers a different look. Ben Simmons um, in transition or from changing ends from one end to the other is more of a threat going to the basket. Um, Shakes a threat from the three-point line. So I think that changes the dynamic of the 76ers offense. It might create a little bit more spacing, especially if he's walking the ball up the floor. Shake, I mean. Um, And then initiating to a guy like Joel on one side of the floor I think you'll see a little bit more spacing because now Shake's guy has to be covered or Shake has to be covered by his man because um, he can hurt you from long range. The time off clearly was helpful for Ben in terms of his health with his back recovering. Uh, Joel Embiid's had some calf issues since the return. Glenn Robinson third with a hip pointer. Uh, any thoughts on the health of some of these guys? It seemed like they made practice yesterday. How do you feel about them going into the start of the season? I'm not worried about their health. I think uh, everything that Brett Brown has been doing, especially in regards to Joel Embiid, has been precautionary. Um, I think Glenn Robinson III, I saw the contact that um, caused what he's going through right now. It happened on our the closer side of the floor, um, the contact right at mid-floor over a loose ball. So his kind of hip situation could be a little different. But I think when it comes to um, Joel Embiid, um, Ben Simmons, 
Josh Richardson's another guy. People forget three games prior to that last Detroit game. He had been out of the lineup, too. He had just come back that first game against Detroit. So I think everybody um, from top to bottom benefits from it, but in particular, those three guys. I'm curious what you think the Sixers are going to go with in terms of bench depth and a rotation. You got the growing confidence of Tobias Harris and Matisse Thybul, Al Horford kind of figuring out a role. The coaches said there'll be a team Joe and a team Al. Um, how do you think we're going to see Brett Brown use the pieces that he has in this condensed format? Well, I think it's all going to come down to who's shooting the ball well. Uh, I think the defense um, is is there in regards to whoever you put out on the floor, whether it's Mike Scott, Alec Burks, Glenn Robinson the third. It's pretty similar defense. Maybe um, Burks is a little bit better in keeping guys in front of him than the other two, but um, you saw him play the last game, the last exhibition game. He looked really sharp um, offensively, did Burke. So, again, I think it's going to be whoever's playing well as far as putting the ball in the hoop, whether it's Furkan, whether it's Burke, whether it's Robinson the third. I think that's going to be the key uh, for Brett Brown is finding that consistent hot hand, recognizing the hot hand early and milking it on, the, on a particular night. Um, he's going to have to plug in some holes shooting-wise. Um, and I think the people that he has to work with, I think that's going to be what he's got in front of him now as far as can he get some shooters out of the group of guys coming off the bench for that second unit. In addition to playing basketball, the, the return of basketball is has been about uh, social justice and talking about um, what's been going on in the world. Uh, what, how do you think the Sixers and the NBA have handled this? And what do you see as the role going forward of how they're going to play this out in the tournament? Well, I'm proud of our league. Um, I'm proud of the approach they've taken. They've, no one's perfect. Um, and, you know, I, there's times when uh, people kind of handle things differently. Uh, you, don't, you might not agree with them. But I think for the most part, I've been really proud of Commissioner Silver and the league and Michelle Roberts and Chris Paul with the Players Association um, all sitting down and making this thing happen. Um, you're seeing, you know, not just society, but in baseball in particular, uh, you know, they're having their issues. And I certainly wish all of them well <laughs> as far as society that they're included in that as well. I wish every, you know, everybody to get over the hump. But Right now, when you think about it, the NBA bubble is probably one of the safest places in the country to be. Um, nobody there has tested positive for a couple of weeks. They've taken two consecutive tests with nobody um, showing any signs of having COVID. And I think the way they've handled the safety and the way they've handled the messaging has been on point thus far. And I just, you know, I couldn't be uh, more proud of the way they've handled it. You know, I wanted to get back to you. You talked a little bit about your your work for NBA TV, calling off the screen. Um, you're kind of a lesson to me for people who want to get into this. You you took a, a skill set that you had speaking Arabic, and and parlayed that into being able to call games on TV. Can you talk for people who look to get into the industry about how you were able to use a skill set that you had that wasn't necessarily direct directly related, and tie that in with the skills you had of knowledge of basketball to turn it into the man you are now who we hear on our TVs bringing us the Sixers each time? Well, I think the first thing is loving it. 
Um, and that was always my concern after basketball. Was I going to be able to find something that I was just as passionate about that I wanted to do um, for as long, for as hard, for hopefully as well? Um, and I was fortunate enough to run into TV, and that was 1995. I was awful. I was not good. Um, but I could see that there was something there that intrigued me, that attracted me to it. And from 1995 on, I knew kind of, even while I was playing, what I wanted to do afterwards. And I always considered myself very fortunate in that regard because a lot of guys struggle after they're done finding something else. So to be able to know what you wanted to do, I think, was half the struggle. The rest of it was just getting on a path and not stopping, um, not you know, not being too proud uh, despite your name or despite your status um, or what you've accomplished in another world um, to just kind of doing the dirty stuff, doing, you know, meaningless things, if you will, uh, relatively speaking. I've done girls' high school basketball games, JV and varsity, by the way. Um, I've done games for $200 in the past, you know, and it's not the money. It's I always remember telling myself, if you're going to call yourself a TV guy, you have to be doing TV. In other words, waiters who are in Hollywood who call themselves actors, they're wannabe actors. They're not actors yet. And I couldn't call myself a TV guy if I was wanting or aspiring to be TV in TV, but not doing any. So I took any jobs I could. Um, and the benefit of it was at times if you did a job where no one was watching, you could make mistakes and not get fired. And I think that was the, that's the route I took, especially at the beginning. Uh, I worked for anybody I could work for as long as they let me on air, and um, it's led to here. Well, we can't thank you enough for the time you always give us. Also can't wait to see you on our TV uh, against the Pacers on August 2nd. Look forward to hearing your voice with Mark and uh, Serena, and thanks so much for the time, Ala. Gentlemen, thanks, guys, and go Sixers. Jeff, I'm, I'm ready for Sixers. Uh, it was fun to watch Serena and Ala and Mark call in the games uh, the other night. Yes, I did text you. I was watching the overtime in the scrimmage. Um that may have happened. <laughs> yeah, and for some reason, you thought that I was going to be surprised. Like you texted no. me and said, Are, w- "Would you be surprised that I'm watching overtime of the sp- scrimmage?" Obviously, I would not be surprised at that. That's exactly what I would expect you to do. You did not let me down. I'm, I'm glad I could be there for you. We talked a, a little <laughs> bit. Uh, do you want to talk Sixers? I mean, I, I feel like there's no new news really. Like the team is well, that's a good thing for a change, right? The team is where it's been heading into the the start and resumption of games, and mm-hmm. you know it seems like Allah said that that health right now is probably about as good as you can expect from this team going in. Hopefully, they're in a good position to move forward. It seems like they've tried to make some adjustments in the off time. Any other thoughts? Well, the question is going to be chemistry. I mean, that's what we heard when they started to come back into the bubble. That's what Tobias addressed uh, as I think he's the team leader um, saying that there was a concern about chemistry at the beginning of the season. They seem to be working on it. If you read Keith's most recent articles, it seems to be that they, they are developing a chemistry together and seem to be on the same page. Now the question is whether they can put all the parts together. We know what the starting five looks like now we know that Horford's not part of it I still have concerns after watching these scrimmages is exactly how this all these other parts are going to fit 
Allah addressed it in saying that it's kind of going with the hot hand and, and I'm not a hot hand guy. No, you hate that. Um, you want roles. Yeah. Cause I think that roles develop more consistency. I'm not saying that there aren't times that you go with the hot hand. I mean, as an old school guy who used to watch, not root for, but watch the Pistons, you know, Vinnie Johnson would come in the game and when the microwave would light it up, you, you didn't stop. You kept going with him, but I think that the, those instances, and I don't think the Sixers really have a hot hand guy, unless you're going to say that Alec Burks can fill that role. If he has those nights where he's shooting well, then you leave him in for long periods of time. I don't have confidence that Brett Brown's going to do that. He, he goes back to his starters as quickly as he possibly can. I know your biggest concern. What? If, if you're going to say Neto. Neto's going to get on the court. No, it, that's not a concern because, because the fa- it's a fact. If Neto is on the court during time that the game is close, that means somebody or lots of people are injured. There's no way that Neto is going to have a significant role on this team now. Well, it we- just doesn't make sense for him because Brett Brown, when we've, when we've talked to Keith, he says that you're going to have an eight-man rotation. Some people say that you might have a nine or 10 mountain rotation. Neto doesn't fit in there. No, he doesn't. Can we go back to baseball that we were talking about before Allah hopped on though? I, I, it is not that baseball is going to a seven inning double header rule. I, I can live with these rule changes they're making. I hope some of them are short term and not long term. You seem you seem troubled by it though. I'm troubled by the way the league is running itself right now. They put 113 pages together and gave no mm-hmm. mind to half the things that mattered. You got players deciding by group text they're going to play. You got <laughs> uh, Andrew McCutcheon out there saying, "I go to the Twitter. I go to Twitter to find out the news of whether we're going to play." They're going to play. They yeah. don't tell me first. Mm-hmm. You've got inconsistency of policy in terms of when people are playing, where they're playing, how they're moving the schedule. It seems like they put zero thought. And if they did put thought in, they came to zero conclusions of what to actually do before they threw out the first pitch. And I think that's complete irresponsibility of the leadership. Well, except I, for the fact I, that they didn't end up doing a bubble, which you can clearly see a difference between leagues that do a bubble and leagues that don't. Well, that's, see, to me, that it's the arrogance of the league. And you're also seeing that arrogance convert over to the NFL where it's even going to be worse. But the problem that I see with Major League Baseball was the arrogance of thinking that they could do it over this broad spectrum of stadiums in all of these different cities and hope, just cross your fingers, that the players were going to be responsible. I think it was too much to ask. I don't blame them for the fact that they have to do things on the fly because when you have situations like this, you have to be flexible. You have to find ways to find solutions. There are some things that don't make any sense to me that they didn't do beforehand. The seven inning double headers. Okay. They already knew that they were playing almost every day during the 60 day period. How did they not decide this early on? They decided. Well, hold on. Hold on. It, it, hold on. The, the, the issue isn't even whether or not it was COVID. They should have thought of this because if they're going to play in stadiums, there's going to be rain. So there were going to be rain out. So this should have been thought about beforehand, even if you didn't have a single person testing positive. The bigger problem is, is, is the lack of responsibility. I, you know, the NBA handled this exactly right. And they had the ability to handle it right because it's smaller teams. You were able to do this bubble thing. Major League Baseball could have done a version of this 
in one or two locations, something we talked about before this season even went, having one in Florida and Arizona. Now, being in Florida isn't exactly the best place to be right now, but if you just stayed on your complexes and nobody else was on them, then it would have been fine. Allowing the players to dictate, and remember, the players fought a lot of this. The players wanted to have more games than they're having too. It's clear that they, they were more concerned, some of the players, with certain things other than addressing all of these safety issues. Because I still don't see not only Major League Baseball not sanctioning the Marlins, other than saying you can't play right now, I don't see the Major League Baseball Players Association stepping up and saying, when you represent a union, your responsibility is to the collective organization. And the collective organization of players should be saying, if one of you guys decides to go out and do this and jeopardize the rest of us and jeopardize our families and jeopardize our ability to make a living, then you're out. This is one and you're done. And there should be a massive sanction put in place. And the Players Association should be on board with this. And right now, that's not something we're seeing. Look, you got Anthony Rizzo tweeting last night during a rain delay about he didn't see in the 113-page manual where it said to pack everybody into a dugout while you wait on a forecast that shows no hope of playing a game. And by the way, Anthony Rizzo is the one who actually at first base has a giving out hand sanitizer. sanitizer and is giving it to people. Good for him. Yeah. I mean, I just, so yes, I am frustrated because I wanted to. Why are they all in the dugout? So there's where, if you want to really get upset, I thought that's the question. The seats in the stands and stuff. How hard is it to put in tents in the stands? Because I go driving around and in the suburbs, there's lots of tents for restaurants. I'm pretty sure that the baseball teams could get or go to Dick's and get a couple tents and put them up in the stands because nobody else is going there. By the way, speaking they don't of, all need to be in the dugout. The basics of appearance, okay? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a visual guy. I pay attention to marketing and stuff like that. Can yeah. we just talk about how much better the setup looks for the NBA and the NHL than it does for baseball with empty stadiums and fake fans in places? I'm At still least- not sold on the on the NBA one. I, I still don't. There's something about those screens that bothers me. And when they put up the digital people, some people have heads that are like twice the size as other people. It's hey, very don't get on people. I'd rather just not be there and make it dark. Don't get on people who have big heads. It's not their fault. No, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's it's very distracting to have those digital things. It's, it doesn't work well. I'm just talking about the look of the facilities, given what they had. Like the NHL is playing in a huge arena. They mm-hmm. covered the seats. They put up video boards. It looks really good. Baseball, you can't figure out what you have. You have cardboard cutouts in some places, empty seats in another. They cut from one angle where it's empty to a makeshift MLB The Show 2020 fan base going out in the corner. That I actually like. Uh, Yes. That actually worked out well, but it's not consistent through – the different angles are not consistent throughout the game. Yes, it's distracting because they don't – and look at me being the old guy who doesn't like it, but I I just – I don't know. I I feel like baseball is missing the boat. Uh, Again, and down to the little things. If you look at the scheduling now, basketball and hockey are going to start, okay? Hockey mm-hmm. has games basically every two hours of the day from right. like noon to two o'clock in the morning. 
basketball is going to have games going on at three o'clock in the afternoon through midnight, one o'clock in the morning. Who does basketball? Basketball. Right? Okay, baseball so so can can I say this? Can I? Okay, so let's just go through this. I'm about to I'm about to help you blow your stack. Ready? Okay. Here are the schedule times of tonight's Major League Baseball games. Yep. The first game is at seven o five. Yep. And 710, 710, 735, 805, 810, 810, 815, 910, 910, 吃饭，吃饭，吃饭，吃饭，吃饭，吃饭，吃饭，吃饭，吃饭，吃饭，吃饭，吃饭，吃饭，吃饭，吃饭，吃饭，吃饭，吃饭，吃饭，吃饭，
they're not going to do this now. That was a big enough problem. It was a big enough sanction that nobody's going to do it. The problem is, is that it happened because everybody was asleep at the switch because they didn't do the enforcement on the bad guys and they let the players then enforce it. The, don't you see the, the theme running through this? The theme running through it is Major League Baseball keeps talking about how they want to be able to control everything and they can't do anything. They're not they, controlling. They, ne the they never deal with the actual problem. They're stuck dealing with all of the reactions. That's and not the way you run a business. It's, uh, like I said, it's disappointing. I, I, I want to see this work because they're trying it. And well, it's not. It's not working. It's not. And so does baseball make a decision at some point to shut it down? Like they still didn't cancel the Milwaukee game for tomorrow. That game is. I don't know how much longer it can go. I mean, look, if, if you don't have any more outbreaks and you start to address these issues and you do have monitors for each team and you have people. See, I don't know. Are the players going home each night? Because if they're going home each night, then unless you're going to have a chaperone to make sure they get home directly, or unless you're going to put monitors on them and trace exactly their steps to make sure that they're not pulling a Lou Williams, how are you going to be able to stop this? It didn't matter anyway. They were all in a hotel in Atlanta on a road trip for the Marlins, and they still went out. So it didn't matter that they were all, they could have watched them all in one place. That wasn't as hard as if the, the home team does it where everybody's going back to their home. I just don't know. I mean, look, part of, part of sports is being a teammate and part of a teammate is looking out for your teammates. And they're not doing and, it. And they're not doing it. No, not at all. At least the Marlins aren't. The, Mar the Marlins are everything that could go wrong if people aren't responsible. It, that that was the textbook example of how to make this a disaster. And if I'm the Phillies, I'm furious. If I'm other teams, I would consider filing a lawsuit against the Marlins. That's how serious I think this is. I mean, if if the MLB investigation comes back at, as what people have alleged, then I don't know how you continue to let the Marlins play. Yeah, how is that not negligence? Just nothing, any, no, and nobody would care. No, People they, in Miami wouldn't care if the Marlins are playing. You're not losing anything. No, they don't go to the games anyway, so. <laughs> right. Their attendance has not dropped as a result of, of this virus. Did you watch the Flyers-Penguins scrimmage on Tuesday? Part of it. Yeah, you did. That's right, Jeff. <laughs> did you stay for overtime? No, I did not. Oh, come on. I am not watching overtime of a scrimmage. So I watched, I watched uh, over. I watched of course you did. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> I feel like it doesn't matter what it is. It's like, this is on. I watched it. <laughs> I'm telling you, if, if, if they said that the only sport that was on was that ribbon competition in the Olympics and gymnastics, you'd watch. Probably. And if it was a tie after regulation, you'd watch the overtime. My wife would give me mm -hmm. a hard time about it too. No matter what they do, they'll still. And that's going to stop you? No. Really? Uh -huh. <laughs> they'll, they'll be a top four seed. They can only improve their seeding. Uh, they restart for real Sunday against. Tough Paul. game. Tough that's game to start game. off with. Yeah. yeah. It's funny you say that because you're talking fantasy. So mm -hmm. I'm Carter Hart or Craig Bennington for St. Louis. And the problem mm -hmm. is in their round robin tough game here, they play Boston and then Pittsburgh. It's yeah. hard for me to, to start Carter Hart with. I mean, he apparently is healthy, doing well there, doing uh, so. I they're a hot team going in. They were a hot team when it started. 
Uh, they looked good in the scrimmage coming back. I, what are your expectations for, I guess, so I have gonna, high, I have high expectations. for. I'm going to ask you this in basketball too, in a second, mm-hmm. but what is success for the flyers in this restart? I think the flyers have a legitimate chance to at least make the semi conference semifinals and possibly make the conference finals, depending on how the bracket goes. So I think anything- Carter Hart is at a point in his career where this could be a, a jumping off point. I mean, he was already doing really well. I think the Flyers' defense was playing really good before the break, and I think that they'll continue to do that. The question is whether or not they're going to get enough scoring. That's my only concern with this team. They're not consistent with their scoring. So are we going to get – is Couturier going to come back, and is he going to lead this team on offense? The new dad will be wearing the bracelet from the hospital. So we'll see. He's got his good luck charm. You know that hockey players are very superstitious. And they're playing in Toronto. They're in Toronto. The other, Unlike the Blue Jays. The other location is Edmonton. Uh, it's kind of amazing that they allowed all the hockey players to come in, but wouldn't allow the baseball players to hang out and stay. Wouldn't let, the, wouldn't let their own baseball players come in and play. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, are you Hockey is not your top sport. But in terms of a restart, where are you on interest in watching it? Well, hockey playoffs is the best. That's why I wonder, just because the intensity should be there because every game literally is deciding something immediately. Yeah. I mean, remember when when Major League Baseball made it every game matters for the All-Star game? This one. No, (laughs) this is the one. This is where every game matters. Like even the NBA, even though they're only having eight games, it's not every game matters. And, and and the one gripe that I would have with the NBA is the way that they're doing the eighth seed, especially in the West. Like right, so I am to totally list. on board with Job Morant, what he's complaining about. Because this was – so the way that it works now is even if you finish in the top eight, you the eighth seed does not automatically get in. The only way that the the Grizzlies are currently in the AC, I think you have to be four games up. If you're not four games up, then the AC plays the ninth seed, I think. Or there's there's a play-in game. You just don't like how, to do math. How is that? No, no. Here's the problem with this. <laughs> that you know exactly why they're doing this. This is because of one player and one player only. You want to get Zion Williamson on his on tv as much as humanly possible and they are stacking the deck against memphis because they don't think anybody cares about memphis there's no other reason to do this if you're in if you finish in the top eight you should be in the playoffs if you want to have 10 teams in the playoffs that's fine but is it fair to memphis that they went through this season both parts of it end up in the in the spot and then they have to have a playoff playing game how does that make sense just like I asked you for the Flyers, what is success? What is success for the Sixers on their restart? They need to make conference finals. They have to make the conference finals. Otherwise, I don't see Brett Brown coming back this year, next year. I don't think he gets I a just pass don't because of these no, circumstances? No, because th- this is his chance. This actually goes to giving him the opportunity to see if he can be flexible because if nothing else – you can be more creative because it's a different format. So it gives you the opportunity to say, okay, I'm going to throw caution to the wind. And if, if Brett doesn't throw caution to the wind and do things right, I mean, one of the things that I started to see 
in that game the other night with the Sixers is even though they're calling Ben playing the four, there were a lot of times Ben was really at the point guard position. There were times he started backing people down. And when he did that, he's unstoppable. But there were times where he was really the point guard again. So just calling him the four without saying, Ben, get down there, then you have spacing problems again. So we're going to have to see whether he does this. And I still have concerns about how he's going to use the rest of this team. Ben's going to have the ball in his hand. There's no doubt about that. It's a question of where he is on the court when he does it and, and how he can. He needs to be it. around the key. He, he can't be, he can't be at the top. He cannot be around the three point line. It's just not beneficial for him. Well, I, I don't think it's beneficial either, but something that was beneficial for all of us was staying up last night and watching the union get a, how, how much fun was that? Oh, it was a blast. I was just texting you away. So but before we bring in, we'll bring in Warren Craval. Jeff, my concern was, as our listeners know, I text you throughout games and stuff. A lot. You weren't responding to me. <laughs> and so for some reason, I thought you might have DVR'd the game. And I was like blowing up the results for you because I yeah. texted you at all three goals. <laughs> DVRing so, the game. Yeah, so all I, right. Well, let's get one of the, let's get one of the, uh, the guys who's going to be playing in the semifinal. Warren Craval, big win for the team last night in the MLS's back tournament. Thanks so much for giving us some time. How are you doing today? Doing all right, man. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much for the time. It was exciting to watch that first half putting up three goals. Uh, what'd you see there from the sidelines last night of watching that game and, and taking it all in? Um, I mean, just an overall, you know, incredible, incredible performance by the boys. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think anybody, you know, especially on the outside would have, you know, thought that we would have taken command of that game, you know, especially so early on. Um, so a huge credit to the boys and, you know, the focus that went into um, that evening and, you know, wanted to, to prove everybody wrong. Warren, what's it been like playing with this group of guys? Um, it's been good. I mean, it's 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 been special you know I'd say as far as my career you know here in Philadelphia you know there's definitely something unique um about this group and and I think that that culture and that character has been building you know over time over the past five years that I've been here at least um you know I've, I've seen you know the progression and the building blocks on top of each one every single year so it's been really cool to watch we had Coach Curtin on a couple of weeks ago talking about what it's been like for the team getting down there. What's it been like for you as a player being in the bubble and having the chance to be with your teammates as much time as you have? Have you been able to expand on that bond you guys were working on before you left? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously we're, <laughs> we're spending a lot of time together here. Um, and even, you know, around, you know, more members of, staff and you know technical staff you know training staff you know i think you know you get to get to know a lot more than your teammates down here so it's kind of been a, a really unique experience and you know just seeing a lot of your uh opponents every day throughout the hotel has been unique as well um it's just i mean all around it's been a very you know i keep saying the word unique but i don't know any other way to put it uh, some of some of the guys' play has just been uh, off the charts. Play made by Brendan Aronson last night, Sergio Santos with two goals, Andre Blake again solid. What are you seeing from the guys out there that get you excited about where this team is in this tournament right now? Um, yeah, I mean, flashes of you know individual performances and um, 
you know, moments like that are, are really what can propel the team. I think, you know, for a while we've had a really a really good solid team and you know that's what separates good from great teams you know sometimes individuals stepping up and and creating those moments Warren in addition to to playing soccer games and advancing to the semifinals this tournament just like the NBA tournament has been about something bigger than just soccer it's been about social justice and and the union you talked to coach Curtin about it the union seemed to be on the forefront of that uh, what has it been like for you as somebody who's been active in social justice causes um, to be involved in this movement and and to that end also be involved in actually designing some of the shirts that have been used as part of the Black Lives Matter movement? Um, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm really, you know, humble just to even be a part of it. I think um, especially as, you know, African-Americans, you know, we, we try to find, you know, our way to to get back to the cause, to, you know, to put social justice on that, to, to bring awareness, to bring change more importantly. And, um, you know, for me, this is, you know, kind of the way that I've been able to navigate um, that landscape. And, you know, this is the, the lane that I've, you know, been able to carve out for myself and not just myself on the behalf of myself, my family, you know, what what we've gone through, what our race has gone through, um, the organization, you know, the Black Players for Change, Black Players in MLS, um, you know, it, it's speaking for a lot of different people, you know, in a collective group. Um, so I'm really, you know, humbled that I've been able to do that. How did you come up with, how did you get involved in designing the shirts and, and then how did you get, how did you come up with the design that was ultimately used? Um, it, it, was, it was a bit of a process as far as, you know, I, I think we always knew we wanted to have some kind of show of protest or demonstration when we, you know, got down to Orlando as far as, you know, the black players in the, in the league. And, um, you know, we were we were able to get about seventy plus of us on on a Zoom call, and everybody, you know, was venting and you know sharing their frustrations, and um, you know, we were just able to kind of come to a common place of of what what action items we wanted, you know, to take place, and it, it came in the form of that demonstration in which um, my name was floated um, to. Uh, to design the shirt for um you know i gotta shout out you know ray and a couple of other guys on the call that you know believed in me enough to um allow me to produce that for the group uh before the first union game of the tournament the players came out on the union team with the names of uh people who had been killed uh at the hands of police brutality uh, there was a lot of discussion about that i found the most moving thing that i learned about that uh, when we asked jim Curtin how the players picked their names. He said that some of the, the white players on the team who weren't familiar with people picked names of people they learned about by talking to their teammates. Jeff and I talk regularly about the importance of education and understanding to really be able to have these difficult conversations. Can you talk about what it's been like for you guys as teammates to really have those tough conversations together? Um, yeah, you know, first and foremost, and I'll credit, you know, Jim to for uh, opening up those avenues for us um, and being proactive and not waiting for, you know, whether it's the league or the 
you know, the higher ups in our in our own organization to, you know, put something together. Um, you know, we had a, a discussion, you know, as a team early on, you know, while before we were down in the bubble about, you know, different experiences and um, you know, what players on the team, you know, specifically have gone through and you know, our perspective on on race relations and I think it was really beneficial and it was kind of the starting point for a larger conversation within our team. <clears throat> Fast forward to, you know, um, preparation for our first game, you know, kind of deciding what, you know, we wanted our show to be and, you know, it was, it was really meaningful to be able to educate <clears throat> um, teammates on um, racial injustices and police brutality that, that's occurred, you know, in our country. And, um, you know, shout out, you know, our, our kit manager, um, Brandon Kaminsky, for um, for leading that with us as well, you know, helping helping us facilitate that, even, you know, facilitating, you know, some of the education as well as, as a as a white male, you know. Um, so it, it's just really important to, to have allies, to, you know, have those that are there for, you know, the greater cause, you know, because nothing can happen on our own. Warren, in addition to, to being a soccer player, uh, you have a, a second passion, it seems, in designing clothing. This wasn't the, your first go-around in designing a shirt. Tell us how you got involved in designing. I noticed that you have your own website, sell your stuff. How did you get involved in that? Um, to be honest, you know, I kind of you know, stumbled into it a bit. Um, my cousin and I saw a shirt that we you know, a crunch shirt that we wanted to make a parody of, of our last name. And, you know, it turned out looking kind of cool. And we, you know, decided to to try a different one, you know, an original um, type of uh, shirt. And that became our, you know, our first logo. And from that, we just kind of, you know, have used that as, as a platform, you know, for any kind of creative, you know, outlet, you know, that we wanted to, to, to do it at any given time. And that's looked like, you know, Clothing, a lot of the time, photography, um, events, um, curation of, of whatever, you know. And right now it's, it's looked like um, social justice um, T-shirts. So um, one of the things I saw on your website that you sell says cartoons slash cereal. Which sounds like a perfect morning to me. <laughs> what, what does that mean? Yeah. Um, that was kind of a, a nod to, um, you know, our childhood, you know, the way a lot of us, you know, came up in, in you know, that kind of 90s era, you know, the, the certain mood and aesthetic um, that, you know, we, we were all accustomed to. Um, waking up on a Saturday morning, watching, you know, different cartoons, you know, Gargoyle, Darkwing Duck, you know, whatever it was, you know, um, and the backdrop of, you know, also what would it have been like if I was, you know, the age I am now, you know, in that, in that certain time frame. So that's where, you know, kind of put that against the backdrop of, you know, 90s hip hop, um, you know, different, you know, aesthetics from, from that time period. And it was, you know, kind of a, a cool um, experiment in a way, you know, cool capsule for us. So you still have to spend a little more time in this bubble because you're now going to be in the semifinals. Uh, what is the most interesting thing you guys have done in, as a team in the bubble? Other than win. Most. 
Um, you know, we've, we've been pretty, um, pretty zoned in here, pretty, you know, business as usual here. Um, it's extremely hot outside, so there's not too much time being spent outside on the, uh, you know, during our downtime. Um, but, you know, just after games, you know, a lot of times some of the boys, you know, will meet up in the, in the, in the kit room and, you know, have that have that shared moment of uh, bonding and, you know, order some pizza, you know, we get our comfort food sometimes, you know, and it's 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 been a, a cool bonding experience. Well, we hope you stay cool there. Uh, we thank you for raising and using your voice. We always welcome you on to talk about the issues here uh, so we can try and advance it and wish you the best of luck moving forward in the semis. Can't wait to keep watching. Thanks so much for the time. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Jeff, it's, we talk about the players using and athletes using their platform. Uh, there's an example right there. Um, every day he's out there advocating and I, I admire that. He's a damn well, good player. Think about it. How, how many players and coaches have we had from the Philadelphia union who are more than just players? I mean, we've, we've heard for years now, the, the, um, in, inappropriate comments of just shut up and play to athletes. And, and what I can tell, what I can tell you is, I mean, from getting to know and talking to so many people in the union organization, from the front office to the coaches to the the players, they are so much more than great athletes and great coaches and great front office people. They are they are an organization that cares about the local community and the community in a broader sense. Yeah, we're lucky with some of the athletes that we have here in terms of, of what they do off the field and off the court as much as on for us in our entertainment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff, we got less than five minutes left. Uh, go around real fast. Go for it. Let's make can we talk big- golf? Can we, can we just talk golf? Because I think we need to talk about Bryson DeChambeau like every week now. Okay. okay. First, can we talk about the refund you got? Well, I haven't gotten it yet. I got the email that I'm going to get a refund, which was a real bummer. I mean, look, I, I love going. I try to go to a major every year. This Nowhere. year it was supposed to be in US, the U.S. Open at Wingfoot, and I just got my email saying that there will not be any fans. And they're doing the responsible thing, so I can't be mad about it, but I can be disappointed. Uh, the PGA Championship next week won't have any fans there either. Mm-hmm. You'll be watching and, and looking for who you're going to pick. But talk about your boy Bryson. Tell so, me what's going on so, with him this week. So Bryson's at it again, and, and with, his, with his increased profile, it has come increased complaining about everything. So this time, he was complaining because he apparently wanted to move his ball because there were ants around it. Now, to be fair, they were fire ants, okay. but, but, okay, you can't hit a golf ball. It's not like you have to go down and touch the ants. You're swinging a golf club. So unless you're going to be worried that somebody that has for ants rights is going to get upset that he's swinging his golf club at a golf ball that might have ants around it uh, and and berating uh, an official over it or giving an official a hard time doesn't really help the situation. I just kind of wonder at this point whether or not he's the villain because this is really him or is or is he playing this up at this point? Is this becoming his shtick? Maybe he just doesn't like red ants, Chef. He doesn't seem to like any. He doesn't like photographers. <laughs> he doesn't seem to like anything is, except the weight room now. It is something new every week, but he is still driving the ball out of this world right now. So he is. Yeah. 
it, it's definitely something to watch. Sorry, uh, you'll have to keep me updated if your refund comes, and hopefully they go back to Wingfoot for you. And my prediction this week is Ricky Fowler. Okay, well, we'll mm-hmm. have to watch that. If you're wrong, okay. take the heat. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> we'll I'm good with that. that. Why don't you take the heat for what's going on at Rutgers? Uh, Rutgers is in quarantine. The yeah. football team apparently went to a party. Uh, it did not go very well. Good move. <laughs> They're they not playing football right now. So um, here's a question that I would have just about Rutgers sports in general. Do they have any reason to go to a party? Hey. What, what does the Rutgers hey. football team have anything to celebrate or be happy about ever? That they're not hanging out with you. Okay. Anyway, yeah. uh, it just good look, comeback, Rutgers boy. This is what is is good. I mean, they they do have something to celebrate. They have Shiano coming back. So with Shiano back, hopefully it builds really good, They actually have a really good recruiting class coming too, which is of course why I wouldn't be able. Yeah, to but if they're out partying and getting sick, it doesn't matter how good their recruiting class is. Uh, in addition, the ACC and Notre Dame apparently are going to play a ten plus one schedule if there's college football this year, uh, and the SEC is going to. Uh, approve a 10 game conference only schedule that begins september 26th i still have very little confidence that there will be college football I you know there's sports that's the most in peril this this is also the end of a lot of of long time rivalries hopefully it's a one-year thing but you have clemson and south carolina that have played for over 100 years against each other you have teams out west like colorado and colorado state that aren't playing each other a lot of these these rivalries where the teams aren't in the same conference are kind of being the ones that suffer as a result of it. Now I get why some of them are, but I don't understand why Clemson couldn't play South Carolina considering they're right down the road from each other and they're in the same state. Yeah. Some of this, uh, again, they're, they're kind of making all these decisions independently and some of them just don't make sense to me, but college is the one that, that concerns me the most right now of all. It it doesn't college football doesn't make any sense at all because the athletic directors have appeared to have no idea what they're doing. And the university presidents are trying to, to rein all this in and say, look, we got to do something about this. Well, any last words, Jeff? Let's just hope that there's baseball next week. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night when we hope there's baseball and help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.